calling all lovers of mystery and fans of a good story. If you haven't already heard me talk about June's journey, you're in for a treat. It's time to don your detective hat in this free hidden object mobile game that delves into the captivating journey of June Parker, a self-proclaimed detective on a quest to unravel the mystery surrounding her sister's untimely death. In June's journey, you get to play as June, deciphering clues and unveiling secret plots within thousands of beautifully illustrated scenes. And did I mention it's set in the glitzy 1920s? New chapters are added weekly, so you will never run out of new thrills to uncover, and you can also personalize and decorate your very own Orchid Island where the story takes place. How sharp are your detective skills? Find out when you download June's Journey on your Android or iOS device, or play online via Facebook games. Your detective journey awaits. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode six of Beyond the Eclipse. It's the same deal as last month. There is not a visual element to this episode because I am frankly just way too busy to actually sit down and do some real editing. So I hope you enjoy the audio part of Beyond the Eclipse and thank you so much. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the sixth episode of Beyond the Eclipse. Uh, today, we're going to be doing the sixth episode of TLD, Enter the Earth Dark. I'm your host, Aethor, and with me, I have Volanda, the D- Hello. D- the dungeon mistress of the Milady. Mm, the dungeon milady. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, we have a um, we have a um, surprising episode, at least from a perspective of a person who knows you. Uh, uh, this episode has a couple of like things that I have. I have questions. I have questions. Oh, that's good because uh, I have very little notes on this episode, um, <laughs> and I'll get into why later. <laughs> all right. Okay, so um, the sixth episode it starts with all of them in Demi's room. Mm-hmm. Demi reiterating, "You have no choice." Yeah, yeah, yeah. I well, I felt it crucial at the beginning of the episode to remind them, "Hey, you're gonna do this, right?" <laughs> yeah. Um. And they proceed to, uh, they have a little bit of a fun interaction. And I, I think the, so they, they're told they either need to go, they need to enter the sewers. Mm-hmm. They either need to do it somewhere close to the prison or at the monastery. Yep. And Raul or uh, Neil quickly says, 
I didn't name it. Yep. He just drops that little sentence and nobody really asks or picks up on it. Mm-hmm. And I think it comes back in a really funny way mm-hmm. uh, later on. Uh, but, but yeah. yeah. So he, he pitched me the idea of the monastery because he's a monk. Um, we never really say he's a monk. Like, this is not how mm-hmm. we term what his character class or whatever it is, because, you know, that makes no sense in a, in a world type thing. But um, yeah, he decided he would have a monastery and the monastery is pretty much as uh, as I described it. That's kind of how he pitched it to me. It's just a bar, dude. It's just a bar. It's just a bar. Don't, don't worry about it. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, so, um, we'll, we'll get to the monastery in a minute. Um, we have the characters uh, kind of debate how to get into the monastery because Ralph's not supposed to be free and everybody knows who he is. Yes. So they go back to Buck Demi and... <laughs> You can already see V's resistance to giving the players help. Yes. I think it's uh, very funny to listen to you struggle. Like, you even say it blatantly out loud as Demi going like, is this something you guys are going to be bugging bugging me about every day? (laughs) Because I I, I personally feel like I don't want to give them all the easy answers because that takes away some of the struggle and the challenges they would have. And them overcoming it is more important than them just... It's like transporting, teleporting straight to the big bad. Like, no, no, half the challenge and the fun and that woohoo feeling is they did it themselves. And I didn't want to take that away by giving them too many powerful allies straight away. Like, Demi's not an ally to start with. Like, they're a job. Mm. Um, and I didn't want them to be consistently going back to her like, hey, and then we do pull him off. And then we do pull him off. And then we do pull him off. I'm like, no, fuck that. I- I'm not doing this. Um, I will give you one freebie and that's it. Like. I will give you one illusion. (laughs) One illusion for half an hour. And that's what they get. (laughs) Yeah, so you show them out the door. Um, Mm -hmm. You have uh, (laughs) uh, Raoul hamming it up. Oh, I don't like it, please. Uh, Oh, I'm touching my face a lot. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, uh, I I think changing his mustache from black to white, I think was the funniest shit. Um, I just, I love that so much. I thought it was really funny. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so so uh, they, 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 they get to the monastery and it is revealed that the... Wait, doesn't Caton split off from the group before that? Yeah, yeah, yeah that's he right, does. Yeah, because he knows where they are. Like, he's getting used yeah. to this strange power he has of just knowing where they are at all times. So he feels confident enough that he can leave them to... What damage are they going to do in a sewer? And if they start making tracks away from Falsam, he knows there's something shifty going on. So he's like, I have shit to do. I don't want you living with me and my daughter. Fuck this. Uh, yeah, shit to do. So um, I was like, yep, I'm fairly comfortable letting them split off and do their own thing. If they go wild, then, you know... Sorry, if they go rogue, then I can rein that back in. Like, he knows what's going on. But otherwise, like, no, I'm going to take an NPC away from them. I want them to do this on their own without, like, super-powered assistance. I thought I thought it was kind of like creepy the way Caden keeps saying I know where you guys are. Yep. <laughs> it's like, calm I, down, Santa Claus. You don't need I to. I wanted do this. to reiterate. I wanted to hammer that shit home. If they run away, he's gonna know. Like I wanted them to really remember that detail. You were pretty afraid they were gonna try to split, yeah. weren't you? Like genuinely, like it was a. It was a massive leap of faith that they would stay with it. And I did mm-hmm. have like in the back of my brain, like, okay, I might have ideas of getting them to do the plot just from a different angle, like a evil campaign, like inverted commas. Uh, but I, yeah, uh, I was worried that they would do that, but they didn't. 
and I'm happy they didn't because then I wouldn't have to pull extra pull out of my butt. Um, so like <laughs> ran with it. They went with it. So things are things are OK. I never had to break open in case of emergency plans. So, yeah, uh, I, I was always shocked, um, at least up to where we are in recording, that you never brought up the brought out the um, uh, like fake news campaign against them. I was always waiting for it because the three of them were all on death row <laughs> yep. when the world ends. And then they just start questing around the world, fucking with shit. Like they're always doing things uh, like like they accidentally unleashed the doppelgangers and all that stuff. Yeah, I was but that's, that's the did... thing, though. People didn't know. Like like outside of Falsam, nobody knows who they are. Like Balance hasn't been out in like society for 50 plus years. Like, yeah, people are going to remember what he looks like, but they might assume that he's Pintor or that he's just another elf wandering around. Like again, the same with Zoltana. Zoltana outside of the few people that she's interacted with. Um, she's murdering. And outside the double ones. Like, yeah, like she's a, a murderer, but I also like, I used to live close-ish to a prison about 10 miles from where I lived. But I didn't know the inmates there. I didn't know who the fuck they were. If they broke out of prison, I wouldn't know who the shit that was. So it was kind of, they didn't interact with enough people for it to be a big thing. And they didn't go, oh yeah, I unleashed the doppelgangers. They didn't know they unleashed the doppelgangers. They did not know that. And their doppelgangers did not look like them. It looked like Kanan. <laughs> so it's like that they interacted in a very small way in like the bigger picture of things going on so I didn't feel like I needed to do like the smear campaign of the evil guys versus them also because at that point to okay if you haven't caught up then this is massive spoilers so please don't don't listen anymore but you, you should be you caught up if you're listening to this yeah um like at that point Daechin didn't know that they were a threat he has specific threats to his mind. He was working against them. Like, yeah, so his plan with Laffian didn't work out quite so well. And yeah, he kind of kept an eye on him. But, you know, he relied on Monarch to be manipulating situation in his car. And he let it go. Like, whatever it is. He knew nothing about Zoltana, nothing to do with him. He didn't know anything about um, Ral at all. So, yeah, cool. Let that go. Squash, he assumed, was dead. Um, so, like, he had no point at this like no reason at this point to go after them like until they became a blip on his radar um there was no point having the evil guys do a smear campaign but by the time we got to that point they were known enough to be helpful <laughs> so yeah. they'd already done enough like good things in the smaller like part to build up to a, um, a better image for them so i didn't feel like i needed to do that there are other baddies that don't like them. Yes. I'm just going to say yes, that. Yes, there are. There are. There, there's definitely Dravos, but Dravos presumed she was in prison. <laughs> I'm talking about after. After. But yes, yes. Um, uh, so, yeah, they, 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 they leave and they get to the pub. Yep. And uh, I think V's inner Britishness shines <laughs> through because the pub is now always open. Mm hmm. Ah, da, 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 da. Some pubs are open from 10 in the morning, but not many. Uh -huh. um, and of course, your pub would be open from 10 in the morning. You're a fantasy pub yes. put in your fantasy game. Yes. Um, it is a very typical, like, you know, go out in the stick somewhere in Britain and you'll find a pub pretty much like this. Um, you'll find the resident barfly, which is why we have a resident barfly named Jim. And that's why we have, like, it. It's open and the owners aren't there because the barfly is trusted. So, like, yeah, of course. <laughs> so, what what's the like? I think uh, Jim brings up like two other people, and yep. uh, it seems like Neil was supposed to know those people. 
Yeah, he didn't. Uh, <laughs> so Neil pitched me the idea of the monastery, um, the monastery yeah. being a pub, and he wanted that a place for him to go. So then I threw back at him, hey, I want this to be the entrance to the fourfold. And Neil was like, yeah, cool. That's, that's a good thing. We can make that work. Good, good. And actually, there was supposed to be a symbol um, associated with the monastery, which was associated with the fourfold. But the symbol never really came up in game. And I have drawings of it. Um, just trying to describe it was just a headache. So I, was, I nixed it on the spot, I think it was, or we deleted it from recording. I don't really remember. Um, but it was supposed to be, oh, this is a symbol of the fourfold. If you see it, you know there's a secret entrance around here somewhere. And I think it okay. might come up again when they go to Vanlas, but I don't 100% remember this this far away. It was like three, four years ago at this point. So yeah, there was there was that, but the monastery was going to be the entrance to the fourfold. It was how it was hidden, um, and I told Neil like, "Hey, yep, you have the monastery. It's the entrance. That's what he really knows." And he ran with it. He ran with like, "Yeah, of course I know Jim. Yes, of course I know uh, Emily and Colin." Um, so there's a whole story around um, why the pub is the way the pub is. So. Um, Thirsty and I, um, you may hear his name mentioned a lot in some law related shit as we go through. Um, we used to run a system, we made a system called Spiced, and in that there was Jim the Barfly. And in every single bar type place in um, drinking establishment, it's the same dude. Uh, it's the same Jim. He's everywhere. And he sits at the end of the bar. He has a flat cap on and he drinks beer. And I decided, fuck it. Just a little nod to my buddy, like, hey, here's Jim. And then there are two people working behind the bar, um, Emily and Colin. And that's actually um, real world names that um, they're basically my middle name. And it's also Thirsty's middle name. Ha ha. Ha ha. Told the world. Um, so, yeah. <gasps> like, sink. That's why I just wanted to make that nod so like Thirsty would pick that up. <laughs> so he would know I'm calling to him like, hey, here's Jim. And here's the two people. You know what I'm referencing here. So that's kind of why the interior of the pub is the way that it is. <laughs> Okay, it's it's kind of cute. That's kind of cute. That's it's a lot more. Uh, it was a lot more in depth than I expected. I, uh, <laughs> so, because usually when I think you've done something in depth, you're like, nah, nah I made that shit up. Place. No, like, yeah, Emily, Emily, and Colin. Uh, the reason they don't really appear too often when we go to the monastery is because I forget whether they're halflings or gnomes, and I forget their voices, so I don't have them appear but i know jim jim's super easy um i forget emily and colin a lot so they don't really appear in the game <laughs> uh you then have uh jim uh lead them downstairs yeah. and jim's a little bit hesitant but easily manipulated i don't think raul even uh rolls against him. no that's right jim is basically uh, he's kind of the keeper of the way down um kind mm -hmm. of um so he knows that the fourfold fights go on down there. He's personally not into it, but he knows enough of the regulars and he knows enough of the people who are part of the fourfold that if he gets a good vibe, he'll let them down there. If he doesn't, he won't. If he thinks that they're like, you know, um, if they're part of the, the, the militia or they're part of like um, the, the, the guards, uh, he won't let mm -hmm. them down there because it's illegal. Um, so he just goes on his gut instinct on that. And for the most part, Jim's drinking gut instinct, I trust. So he trusts. Uh, so he doesn't tend to let people down there who are going to get them busted. Um, so yeah, that's just kind of Jim's role. He had a good vibe off of them. Obviously, he didn't know that he knew who um, Ra was. He just got a good vibe on it. So he let them down. Yeah. Uh, you have a... Um... You also have Raoul na dropping names like a crazy person. <laughs> yep. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. Um, yeah, and you have them go down and 
uh, Raoul really takes charge of the situation. I really yeah. enjoyed seeing that. I, I really enjoyed seeing Neo just go like, don't answer any questions. Don't ask any questions. Don't yep. promise to do anything. Don't do anything. And yep. like, this is genuinely like, I, I went to like a really weird, um, um, like, underground club in Germany on a work trip I went to once and that was very close to what I was told when we <laughs> went there it was just like alright guys like this place is sketchy if you do the wrong thing you might get like beaten to shit or stab <laughs> so just don't promise to do shit don't ask stupid questions yep. there you go <laughs> let's yep. go and I, I got a heavy like good wipe from it uh, I like that it was, a, it was a cool like um I like a cool little feeling to the yeah. Place. So Neil, um, so we talked about what uh, what Ral had done in the fourfold, and I, we chatted with a bit. And Neil was like, "I so Bogram and I used to be enforcers, so people who went too far and were there for fun killing people, we took down and we killed." And like, okay, great, I can make that work. And of course, he's already paranoid. Uh, Raoul is already paranoid because everybody knows that he's a murderer. They were the only two dragonborn. The other dragonborn is way more like charismatic, and everybody knows her, and everyone believes that he killed her. And he's obviously yeah. paranoid on the surface about that, but he's also worried about going down to the fourfold for kind of similar-ish reasons. Like he's known to have killed people in the fourfold fights, whether they be to the betterment of the fourfold or not. Um, and obviously people down here will also know what he supposedly did so he's very worried and he doesn't want the others getting involved in that aspect of his life and he plays that really well he plays Ral's paranoias and fears really well and it comes across amazingly in this like just kind of little scene as they go down to the fourfold yeah Uh, I I genuinely accidentally skipped over my first note because it was in a weird place on my paper (laughs) when we open the episode and Demi decides that uh, she's going to give Raul like a 30 minute illusion, mm-hmm. she says something along the lines of, I know what you did. I know uh, <laughs> you murdered the other dragonborn. Yep. So why don't you just face your, uh, your actions? Yep. And Casey goes, wait, you killed another dragonborn? Nah, we'll get into that later. Yep. And I'm just like, oh, oh. <laughs> like, that sentence has such fucking weight behind it. Like, yep. to be accused of that so casually yep. and everybody just buying it. Like, yep. oh, like, in a weird way, that sentence has such fucking weight to it. <laughs> if you think about it like a weird Yeah, I, I, I considered that um, Demi didn't know much about them at all before like before she met them. And then when she went back, and um, because it's obviously been overnight, she's been doing stuff and learning stuff, she just asked. Like, she remembers there being a golden dragon ball. She doesn't remember what happened to her. Um, like, Demi's just out of this there's a fire dragon like she's totally into that shit um so <laughs> she then asks what happens and she finds this out and she's like oh he didn't seem like a threat to me so carry on do 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 so in her casual way she'll just drop this kind of information she did that a lot yeah. at the beginning um because i could do that <laughs> i can't do that now <laughs> <laughs> I, I just like um the like ease with which Sultana buys oh, yeah. it too. Like, like 100%. Like, she knows something sketchy has happened, then found that it's another dragonborn that supposedly killed. But Sultana is also a murderer. Just of yeah. the three, Sultana is a straight up criminal. <laughs> she's a straight up terrible person. Um, <laughs> so she's like, Oh, you're a murderer? Cool. Ah, we have something in common, buddy. Like, <laughs> that kind of thing. 
So we have the characters descend a little bit down into the fourth fold. Mm-hmm. And oh, I don't have the description written down because I'm an idiot. Um, you said something along the lines of like dried blood uh, and like the smell of wet cardboard hangs in the air. Yeah. What do you mean wet cardboard? What are you? So um, the the smell of wet blood is sometimes described as like having a metallic taste, but also come to, sometimes is described as smelling like wet cardboard. Where have you like? Just I've never heard that stuff. before. Uh, okay, I don't know, okay, just okay. <laughs> absorbed. <laughs> What's okay, okay. I, I was wondering if this came from somewhere in your brain, no. uh, but if it was just osmosis, then yeah, uh, osmosis. I'll move on. <laughs> um. So yeah, uh, then you uh, go and you actually find Bogram. Yes, um, we we as a team finally meet Bogram. Um, I like the fourfold. I like the the place that we set this in. Um, having houses and rooms like carved into the sides of the walls. It's just an image mm-hmm. I love. I just mm-hmm. I use it a lot in TLD if you notice, and I, I love it. Um, I don't like the idea of like let's build houses inside a big stone thing like yeah that's easy but real skill comes from digging it into the walls so i i use that a lot um there are very few places with an underground cavern that just has houses built and nothing carved in the walls with the exception of something we recorded fairly recently um so yeah there's there's that um and i like the idea of there being a fighting pit down there and the different entrances in and out because they're in the earth dark at this point and yeah we come across bogram Oh boy. <laughs> uh, so, Pokram doesn't say as much as I wanted him to. And this comes from an ambition of I didn't remember what voice I gave him. Um, I didn't remember if he was an old Scottish dwarf or if he was a young sounding Scottish dwarf. And I didn't, I didn't expect, because this was in, in part way, part way through a recording session. I think this is like episode two or three that we recorded on that day. And I didn't have my notes up for Bogrim. So I didn't know what his, his voice line was. And normally like next to character names, if I'm like, if I know them easily, I don't need to write anything for them. But Bogrim, like I know he had a, a, a sound note next to it, which is like young Scottish accent dwarf. I'm like, cool. But I didn't remember in the moment what it was. So Pogram doesn't say a lot for a very obvious reason. I forgot what his bloody voice was. So after we recorded it and I QC'd it, I, I quality controlled it. I wrote down like all the lines that he said. And then I went back to listen to um, before the beginning episode with Raoul so I could make sure I got his voice matched up correctly. And luckily I did. Luckily I had it correctly. And then I kicked myself for not saying more as Bogram. <laughs> ah. Yeah, I, I I don't think there's an obvious change in Bogram's voice. No. I think you're absolutely in the grill, clear there. Um, yeah, and we have a uh, Bogram uh, very awkwardly interact with Raoul, mm-hmm. um, and that awkwardness really just co- really just comes off as a uh, oh my friends uh, a person escaping. Okay, cool. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I decided well. to lean into that as a method for not needing to speak to him. Um, <laughs> like my buddy's here. You look like the other elf here, and you hit me with your tail, and you're supposed to be in prison, and you're not supposed to be out yet. I haven't put all the pieces in place. I I'm not ready for you, bud. Um, you wanna you wanna leave this area? Great, I can get you to leave this area. Come follow me, and he runs, and that's that's yeah. that's literally why. <laughs> And we have, um, uh, I think the only person who actually says Underdark is Casey. Yeah. I think every, like everybody else just avoids saying it. 
yeah. So I, I'm gonna be, since uh, we like we leave um, Bogrim mm-hmm. relatively quickly after we meet him, and the characters go into the Earth Dark <laughs> with uh, a single candle between the go, three of they them. They go into the sewers. Um, yeah. So the the fourfold area is actually the Earth Dark, and there are other passages and other places that we discover more as the podcast goes along, and which leads to actually the Earth Dark, the kind of area underneath like the surface. But they actually go into the sewers, which isn't the Earth Dark. Oh, okay. Uh, all right. Um, so I have a question about the Earth Dark. And the first question is, clearly, why did you rename it? Because if I remembered D&D lore correctly, and I don't, um, the okay. Underdark is a specific like plane or something along those lines. And they have their own sets of rules. And the creatures there are very specific. And there are there's a whole bunch of lore around the Underdark that I just didn't want to get into because I really suck at D&D lore and I'd already homebrewed this shit, so fuck it. Um, so I made the Earth Dark, which is just that same place underneath, but it's in the same plane of existence as the like surface world. Yeah, I, I think um, in the official D&D lore, they made it its own plane to be able to fuck around. Yeah. Uh, so, because like it, it, like a lot of the stories don't make sense. Like mecha caverns would always collapse without support structure and shit like that. It's like, no, it's its its, its own thing. Fuck off. Uh, yeah. And so, I didn't uh, want to have to deal with that shit. So yeah. I just, as as my, my very much like Bobin, and if I ever do a fantasy world again in the future, or to be fair, if I ever do any GMing, I pretty much always homebrew the world because I don't have the ability to retain that knowledge and someone will always correct me. And then they'll get upset that I broke the established law. And I'm like, if I just upfront say this is all homebrew shit, uh, then you can't get upset at me about that. And you can discover the world as we go along. Um, yeah. That's kind of it and why, really. Yeah, I was going to wrap this into the conversation about um, <laughs> Bellum and Cicero. Yeah. Um, so it's going to get explained a little bit later. But since we're talking about the Earth Dark and the reason why you renamed yeah. it, you do the same with um, the... Uh, the stalking yep. Bellum and Cicero. Cicero. Sorry, I'm really bad with names today. Uh, <laughs> That's brain's, okay. brain's not operating 100%. Uh, and you renamed and you changed the planes of the D&D world. Yep. But you didn't do anything to the gods per se. No, they the like if I if I remember correctly, um, <sighs> there is a plane that the gods exist on in the D&D lore, I think. And that was my problem, I think. Um, so the sentinel plane where the gods reside, um, I kind of have screwed with a good portion because uh, as far as I understand the law as it's supposed to be, it's supposed to be a plane where the gods exist and there is a bunch of heavens and they all own little bits of it. Cool, great. The sentinel plane in this world is actually wrapped around the other planes of our existence, around the stalking, the physical plane, Bellum and Cicero. And it's mm-hmm. basically a net that keeps them all together. It's the net that contains them and stops them spreading out and like falling apart. And each god is basically a node, a little cross-section in that net. So if you start taking those nodes out if you start killing those gods the net around the world begins to fall apart because there's no cohesion and that's basically the sentinel plane that's kind of the point of what they are um so that's kind of it's less of a flat plane it's more of a sphere, if you will (gasps) (laughs) okay i see how it is i'm gonna imagine it's more of a net on top of another net 
it's it's a net around whatever flat planes of around existence you on have. top. We don't have yeah, to go into whatever. specific words like, that would, would upset some people. Yes, it could be a square things. box. It could be a container. It could be a, a hip flask. I don't give a shit. Uh, it goes around all the other ones and keeps them yeah. contained. And it's just a net version of that. And each god is a node on that. So every time you burn that up the net becomes weaker and there are more holes in it, um, which is why people ascending to become gods is really important because they need that cohesion back. Um, and it's why there is a passing portal made um, between two different planes is because there is literally a hole in the net. So there is a hole in those planes that, you know, the, the barriers between the planes. So that's, oh, that's kind of why that is what it is. Well, that's interesting. That's a, that's a cool idea. Like there's a cool visual representation and a physical representation of what's going on. Yeah, um, and I was also very keen that Soulfire is the reason that that happens. Like I already knew how the gods died. I I knew that it required sacrifice because it it kind of does, and that's how mm-hmm. you carve them out. So that's how you get that that kind of little little cross section cut out as you use that fire to burn like the nets around that, and then god is gone um so i knew that that was all going in and that's how i fucked with the sentinel plane it's not quite i think exactly how it is in the D law i'm pretty sure it's nothing like that at all but yeah that's what it is <laughs> I'll, I'll tell you now um in the D lore there are a bunch of different planes uh and the gods resides within different planes some planes have more than one god some planes only have one god it's a it's a, a it's mess a of planes yeah absolute mess i can't deal with that shit um, yeah. So I just made it as simple as I could. Um, actually, funnily enough, that is um, the the structure of our um, of Bikron's existence is, if you imagine, a circle with a cross in it. And that comes up a lot as imagery for Bikron. Um, and when we do the crossover episode, spoiler if you haven't gotten that yet, um, in the crossover episodes, um, there is a piece of paper that they look at where the, the person that used to reside in that area, he wrote a bunch of journals and in there, there was a big piece of paper with lots of circles and it had one of them had a cross in it. One of them had nine like horizontal lines in it. Some of them had spirals. They're all representations of different existences, like um, plane structure. Because if I remember yeah. rightly, D&D like, looks like it has like nine like horizontal lines inside a circle. So that was the representation of that. And I think that's the same as the um the dark dice one or at least it was um and then our one is a circle with a cross in it so i just had all these different images in there and that was why oh that's a that's a, that's a neat idea to use little circles with lines in them and to represent different planes yeah now, i think nobody it's in the back shared of the, the number D&D, of i think it's in the in the back of the D handbook actually it has like the the circle with the the planes written in there i never really studied it because no, uh, but I think that's in there, and that's where I got the idea of making it a circle with a cross in it. It's why uh-huh. the uh, when we get to it, if we ever get to it, um, Kesa, when she's in her avatar form on 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 the physical plane, she also has an onyx pin which represents like, oh, it's her tie, it's her power. That's why it's a circle with a cross in it. Um, it's because she is bigger than all of this. She is a big structure of that, so that's why her symbol is that. All right, all right. Um... Let's, uh, sorry, it's a lot more world building than specifically this episode. I'm sorry, folks. <laughs> no, no problem, no problem. We'll definitely come back to this when uh, the other planes get introduced more. Oh yeah. Um, <laughs> so, I guess my next question is: the characters enter the sewers, mm-hmm. and the question is: why a sewer as the first dungeon? Um, it's contained. 
Okay. <laughs> it's the first one. And my at that time, I was going to go for like some really big symbology. It was going to be like you start in the gutters. What's below the gutters? The sewer. And then they slowly build up and up. And then eventually they'll end up in like a really big tree fighting like up in the canopy. I never materialized that. I kind of forgot after I did the sewer thing. Um, so <laughs> my brilliant idea of like symbolic, it just ruins. Um, it's why we started in a sewer though. Um, because I always had right. a sewer... Um, I always had a sewer as like the first place and the old sewer system was very close to where the Falcon Faseum temple is and it mm-hmm. was easy to, if there is an earthquake or if there is an earthquake and the, the land shifts, that you could then break into that. I needed a reason for them to be able to get underground and they got underground through a sewer. <laughs> yeah, I, I remember when I was listening to this episode for the first time, I was like, a sewer level? As the first level, that's a, that's a bold choice. If you're gonna make make them fight like rodents of uh, <laughs> inordinate sizes, like no, nope. oh, no, fuck Ex- rodents straight to spiders. <laughs> we'll get there. We'll get there. Well, uh, they're spiders with a difference, and we'll hit that next episode. <laughs> so uh, nobody has a torch. Nobody has a torch. They also got the dragonborn, and somehow dragonborns don't have dark vision. Yeah, I, I think. I never understood why that was a thing, but that is, they are one of the very, very few races that don't have dark vision. But I think if people are leaning into, hi, I only have to rest for four hours because I am um, an elf or I get Mm -hmm. to bypass this because I'm a warforged, you also have to go with some of the negative side effects of that, including you're going to age, your um, inability to have dreams, um, you can't see in the dark. Um, So I think if we have to take, you only have positives, there should be some negatives and you do have to deal with that. Um, And that was this. Um, It was going into a sewer level. It's going to be light in here. No, it's a sewer. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) It's got a bloody light in there. What's wrong with you? (laughs) I I could tell from a mile away that Neil always imagined... Raul like living off the back uh, like uh, uh, like off the clothes of his back like he yep. has nothing he never owns nothing he's very monk like in that way um and you can tell in this moment that like when you throw at him like oh yeah you can't see in the dark and you and he's like uh i have nothing in my backpack <laughs> and it, it's that first moment of like clashing of world with what you imagined your character would be like it's this yep. annoying factor of playing D where you're like oh my character's like um he's a hardcore drinker and it's like all right cool you go to a drinking competition and you drown one beer roll a constitution save one Uh-oh. oh yeah um, <laughs> it's like wait no i imagine my character being a hardcore drinker you can't do this to me yeah like i like i i like i there is like certain ideas we have and that's kind of the the clash and the failure I, li- I think a little bit of the system is that you can make characters with amazing backstories but the first fight they ever have like they miss with their sword because they don't have a high enough like ability score I'm like that makes no sense for the epic backstory that you have if your epic backstory is that you are a folk hero because you can drink literally anyone under the table um, and then your first drinking challenge is like half a beer and you fail that makes no sense um um, so for me, I'd hand wave a lot of that shit and at least get you in the finals before we completely fucking fail with it. Um, but that's just a side effect of having levels. Um, it's actually, <laughs> hey, Thirsty, uh, why we didn't have um, leveling in Spice because it made no sense. Um, it, it doesn't make sense to do that. If you start with an epic backstory, be epic. Um, but alas, D&D isn't quite set up for that unless you decide yeah. to start at a higher level. and 
I didn't want them to start at a high level because some of the challenge comes from just getting through those levels and you can see growth, but only if you allow the growth from level one. Yeah. Uh, I can't remember the name of the system, but there's a system out there where you write down like single sentences as your like mm -hmm. uh, abilities. And it's like, like, yeah, like my character's like background just means like, okay, he's a hardcore bar goer. And then every time you can argue that that would affect the role, you can roll with a bonus yep. or whatever. Um, there and are I, loads of systems out there. I know that City of Mist does it. Um, and I know, yeah, City of Mist, I know for sure does it. Um, I had a character who was a Valkyrie. That was her like mythos. And one of her mundane was she was an ardent alcoholic. She was trying to overcome it. But every single time we were in a pub, anytime we were in a bar, anytime there was booze involved, anytime she was drinking too much because she just had enough of the shit situation she was in i got extra dice for it and i'm like yes and that's i think a slightly better system for doing things like that so yeah yeah there's plenty yeah, of systems out there please go check them out folks i i have a feeling whatever comes after fifth edition it, they're gonna introduce something like that they seem to be rearing a lot away from the heavy, uh, like number crunching system, and they seem to be making it softer and softer. And I wouldn't be surprised if they added like a, oh, you get to write four sentences about your character, <laughs> and these will give you plus two to your roles or whatever. Like, uh, we shall see. Uh, whether I play that or not uh, remains to be seen. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll see what the hell we'll be doing in 20 years when the next system comes out. Yeah, yeah. All right. All right so, so where were we? Neil doesn't have a torch. Yes, Neil doesn't have a torch. <laughs> and they desperately look through the dark fishing folks like, well, we don't have torches. But a nope. priest pack does come, I think, with three candles. So that was a yeah. good saving grace. I was very happy with that. At least he could eventually see. So they and then around. I think I throw them a bow by having them literally come across a, a, a yeah. torch of someone who was running away. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and I, I will admit there was something about that... Uh, that interaction when Neil's like, I don't have anything. And everybody's <laughs> being so mean to him. Yeah. What was it? He said, I'm prepared. I have a sweater. <laughs> I have a hoodie. <laughs> He's getting bullied so hard. Is it a hoodie a dog so vision? <laughs> oh, yeah. Ooh. Uh, yeah. And They're being so mean to him. Oh, they, they're being super mean to each other at that point. Yeah, still, like, to be fair, like, they haven't found their groove. They haven't had that, like, bonding moment really yet. Like, yeah, they've been hung at the end of a noose, but it's not, they haven't really had time to spend with each other. So they're still, like, really snippy. There's still, like, a lot of power plays going on. Um, I, I noticed it a lot in this episode. I actually have written down here, like, and I think on the previous episode too, there's always a little, like, ah, I'm more powerful than this, and I can do this, and ha, you should have done that, or you should be prepared. Like, there's always those little snips at each other, and I'm glad that's gone because I would irritate the shit out of me if it continued but i knew that it would eventually disappear because you spend long enough time with each other in danger those kind of weird little things either blow up which they actually do spoiler or mm -hmm. they deal with themselves which they do spoiler um so it's um i can actually think of two scenes it's um Laffian trying to upstage Laffian, uh, Balas trying to upstage um, 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 Caden by proving that he can also do magic yep. uh, to Talus, and then you have Sultana getting quite cross with Demi over not being interested <laughs> in her god magic. Yeah, yeah. I didn't, I couldn't explain why because that would give out too much about what was going on at the time. But yeah, like yeah, she's yeah. she's done that, and I was like, I thought it was quite funny that like Sultana was like, well, fuck you then. <laughs> <laughs> I love it, but I still um, love the fact that she gave Demi a high five at the beginning. I'm like, yes, I love it. Uh, so yeah, um, 
then we uh, go into the sewers and we have a scenario that... Okay, so I listened to this show about three years ago, I think. Mm -hmm. Uh, I started listening to it around the time that the first episode of Squash is uh, recorded. I think I actually was listening to it for a little bit before. Yeah, if I remember rightly, you listened to some episodes before we met in the White House vault. White, the White Vault House. Yes, uh, I, I think so, yeah. Yeah, yeah you had already <laughs> asked me to be on yeah. at that point. I, 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 uh, yeah, so, um, so the scene that's coming up stuck in my brain like a fucking spear because I don't think it gets an clarified resolution for a very, very long time. I'm not sure that it has. Yeah, I thought so. But I have decided not to bring it up because Squash <laughs> has no idea about this bullshit. Of so, course not, no. <laughs> so next thing that happens is that they get a choice of uh, a fork in the road. They can either go towards uh, the sound of people or the uh, like uh, some light, if I remember correctly. Yeah. And they go towards the sound of people and they meet an elderly orc leading four younger orcs. Correct. And this interaction is so weird. There's nothing bad about it, but it is so like, like they don't know what to do with themselves. Mm -hmm. So we have this old orc who's looking for another health orc. Uh, at this point, I'm assuming that's Damas. Correct. Um, the only other health orc we know who uh, actually has <laughs> affects the plot in more yep. ways than being a bad guy. Yep. Um, the old orc, what is he doing there? What is uh, like, is he searching for him just because he's a bloodhorn or? Um, so if you don't want to reveal, no, no, that's no, it's, it's not that it's how do I phrase it without giving out some like real big shit. Um, mm. so the orcs, um, over on Kino, um, are being manipulated by basically Marnak's equivalent over there. And the leader of the orcs, the leader of the dark hand orcs, who basically it's kind of like the leader of all the orcs, um, just. They acknowledge it when they want to acknowledge having a big leader. And if they don't, they'd fucking ignore him because that's their society. Um, they just get on with their goddamn lives. And if the king turns up, well, fuck you, unless we have to go do some royal battles. Anyway, mm -hmm. he is aware that shit is going wrong and that there is something terrible, but they're too far in and they can't back out without help. So they go to the only set of orcs that they know will be able to interact with people in Discora without getting like in trouble they already know the situation going on there they could try and give them a heads up and the leader of the dusk hand orcs sends his right hand man a cleric um with four of the children um four of his children to seek uh, to seek shelter help and safety in discora with the only like clan that they know has power and mm -hmm. isn't afraid to be in Discora, um, who have kind of separated from the orcs but are still orcs. And in this case, it was Damas. Um, so they acknowledge Damas as their leader, and that's why they're looking for. The only Bloodhorn, however, they have heard the name of, mentioned a lot, is Demi. So they send them to Fausum first, and then Demi sends them down to Vanlas. And then, <laughs> because Damas has already moved, they just like, go to Fausum. So the, the Doskand Orc, the, uh, the cleric that is traveling with the kids, leaves the kids in Vanlas and has to head back to Fausum. So actually, even at this point in the game, he's only really just re-arrived in Fausum back to where he fucking started. So I've been mapping this poor orc as he's traveling around trying to explain to Damas what's going on. But at at this point, Damas already knows, so... Oh. Yep. 
because Damaz moved around more than I thought he would and because mm-hmm. um, our interactions with Damaz meant he moved around more than I thought he would. So it's just one of those stray plot hooks that could have come in earlier and delivered a different type of news. Um, I'm fine that it didn't get brought up, but it's just one of those like stray plot hooks that's still hanging around. So Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so that's why this has a, has been like a like a, a a a splinter in my eye because I could tell one hundred percent there was a point. Yep. You did not just randomly Mm-mm. put an old orc and five uh, orc and children in a random <laughs> fucking dungeon, a random sewer. Yep. Like, no, this had a point, and it has genuinely fucked me. <laughs> like probably close to like fifty episodes until I finally yep. was just like, all right, if if if. V is pulling some anime bullshit where they introduced like a plot hook in episode one and they're going to bring it back to defeat the big bad evil guy at the final episode while the main theme plays. Then fine, I'll, I'll, I'll tip my hat to her. But for now, I'm going to stop thinking about it. Yeah, uh, like the, that orc still has a point. He still has something to do and he's, he was always going to have something to do. I just need him to catch up with the right person. So I have to wait for him to catch up with a person and it's not Damaz, it patch up with someone and then hopefully yeah. I can then utilize him for stuff um, and then yeah. they can learn more about the orcs and how they were supposed to work and like our Discora team can understand what is going on with the orcs over in Kino but until yeah. he catches up with the right person and gets reintroduced to the group because it'll be great for those three because they'll be like hey mm-hmm. there's this random dude we think they'll probably forget about him but like hey there's this random dude we met back in episode six um but until that happens um to be fair it may never happen yeah <laughs> yeah he may go to meet someone and that person never return in fucking Falsum and he'll be just stuck there until the end of time <laughs> so um is the character supposed to be an eye of Grumsh? No. Uh, so this yeah. is like, um, so there's like the eye of Grumsh and then there's like the sage or something of Grumsh. I don't remember mm-hmm. exactly. It's like a cleric or a priest or um, um, uh, something along those lines. And that's what he is. Um, he is okay. not an eye of Grumsh himself. He is someone who is like the magical equivalent. Um, just more of a sage type person than a straight up mm-hmm. warrior warrior. So he, um, when Sultana's trying to get him to speak a language, and yep. uh, he's like, ah, small races, like, uh, not a huge fan. <laughs> and then you say elves, and mm-hmm. his eyes light up. What's the big deal there? Oh, uh, that's his magic coming out. That's his, like, fight or flight instinct i guess coming in um like he's uncomfortable around a lot of like because he's only ever been around orcs um Mm -hmm. him traveling here was like a big ask of him and like i had a whole kind of history plotted out for him but that's never come up and probably never will so it was a big ask for him to come do this but he did it because his leader told him to um Mm -hmm. and he has like the four kids that he not exactly help raise but he you know he's grown close to them so he's he's doing this because of them and for his leader. Um, Mm -hmm. So like when someone mentions that it's that instinct of like, I'm going to need to fight this, right? Nope. Calm down. You don't need to do this. Be wiser than this. You have a mission. So it was just this magic beginning to flare up. Okay. Um, Yeah. So we have an interaction with the orc. The orc is extremely dismissive and 
difficult to work with and yep. won't really say what he's about about <laughs> and uh then when the team doesn't give him the veneration that he feels he ne- like deserves <laughs> he's just like nah, 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 i'm gonna leave fuck <laughs> you guys i'm done with you yep. live in the sewer i ain't living in no sewer yep. I-, I love how indignant <laughs> he got at that how dare you <laughs> fuck off um that's exactly like he's a he's a man with pride he doesn't want to be doing yeah. this he's really living in yeah. a sewer he's just passing through um, yeah, that's fun. <laughs> I really like that. I really like that. And uh, we have peak diplomacy from Sultana uh, when he's like, I'm here to find a half orc. Ah, gotcha. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> she was like, great. Ah, <laughs> uh, okay, okay. <laughs> uh, roll, roll persuasion. Yeah. <laughs> uh, then we have the um, team split off from the orcs as they don't really get any real information from the orcs except like roughly where they should stay away from if they don't want to deal with the uh, the, the creatures that are down creatures. here. Yeah. And you spend a lot of time dancing around what these creatures are because when they arrive in the next area, there are white silky strands uh-huh. over yeah, yeah. in the eastern corner. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Creature of uh, an indeterminate amount of legs. Yep. And then as they start looking around, you have somebody have drawn a creature whose head is surprisingly like, like their body is weirdly strong or big and, and it has like eight legs. You're spending so much time not saying spider, mm-hmm. but meaning spider. Yep. <laughs> is this something you enjoy doing or uh yeah i think i've mentioned this a lot actually i i i find that if you tell someone exactly what it is they'll if they know the meta they can't help it um mm-hmm. or they do try and help it and they purposely stop themselves knowing the information even though the character might know the information so i try to describe the creature versus saying the name of it mm-hmm. and secondarily for people who haven't played D or who have no real knowledge of like fantasy stuff but they're listening to the podcast anyway it's more accessible if i describe it and then give it a name versus here's the name because then the players aren't interested in what the description is anymore so i try and do it the other way around um like for example if i say beholder and you don't know anything about D, what the fuck does that mean whereas if i describe yeah. like a floating mass of flesh um and it has stalks with eyes on the end and they're blinking at you and looking in different directions and they're brightly colored you immediately know there's some real dangerous shit going on right here Versus yeah. the word beholder, which means nothing to you. But for a D&D player, beholder means so much. And there is so much meta and lore around that. And it also means that I can't fuck with the lore too much if it's a really well-established thing. So I try to avoid that where I can. And also, I just didn't want to say the word spider. Like, no, fuck it. Like, you can deduce that this is a spider. <laughs> I don't need to say yeah. it. Yeah, you absolutely make them say it um, as they go looting and they find a little bit of gold and they find a spooky drawing of a spider. Uh, question, <laughs> uh, why did yeah. somebody draw a spooky p- picture of a spider while running away from spiders? I don't know. Um, okay, that cool. That entire spooky. little, like, I, I, the only thing I really had planned down here was uh, Orc Encounter um, and uh, come across the spiders and where they are. I didn't have this town planned at all. Um, I just knew that there would be some people who were caught by spiders and they're being cocoons. Um, the little town I hadn't planned on having here, I just thought it'd be a cool little thing to throw in because I was also aware that we were about halfway through recording this episode, I think. And mm-hmm. I didn't want to 
start a fight knowing that the episode would be like almost two hours long over it was and I didn't want to do that so I was kind of playing for time at this point I paid a lot more attention to the clock trying to get much closer to one hour than my like ah I give a shit um, attitude now of like ah things under an hour and a half good enough um, poor, poor Neil <laughs> poor Neil and poor me I have to like every time I see an episode now and it's more than like 85 minutes I internally weep uh, because I don't listen to um, Discord on fast forward I do Kino because it's like three hours long um, and I know that our mic sounds good. Um, so I just, I let it go and then I listen to it again later on. But for Discora, especially like now, I listen to it at the correct rate. And if it's a really long episode, I internally cry. When I now see episodes that are less than 70 minutes, I internally have a jump of joy. I'm like, yes, <laughs> woohoo. Um, but then back then I was trying to pay much more attention to the clock and make sure things are paced out properly because I knew that we were aiming for about an hour and I've been pretty good at trying to keep and maintain that. Um, so I didn't want to start a fight too close to the end of that hour because I knew there would be a, another episode and I didn't want one episode to be short. So we have a town with people in it and there were people to interact with um, and there were things drawn on the wall because, I don't know, I, I have... I don't understand it, but I, I do love the I scrawled what killed me on the wall before I died yeah. in my own blood. There's something about that I love. It's terrible and stupid and no one should really do that. Um, but I just wanted them to have that little moment of like, okay, if I'm inventing a town, what's here? Well, let's give them an even bigger hint that there's a spider. <laughs> I'll tell you this. I am vindictive enough to use my final breath to fuck whoever killed me rather than leaving like a loving note to my family or try to like think of a peaceful thing. Like, no, no, no. I'm, there's going to be fire in my eyes and I'm going to be like, fuck. What's your name? You. <laughs> what's your name? <laughs> David. All right, there we go. <laughs> Fuck you. Dacian is what, like, uh, squash or scroll on the floor when he when he kicks yeah, the bucket. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you know that's written somewhere in the in the in the ground and underneath the 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 in the city of oh Savras's oh, city, the Sa lost city. Savras's city. Yeah. yeah, yeah. God, names are just stolen from me today. That's right. So yeah, you have this entire town that was invented. Okay, wait. So I have a question. Yeah. Um. Why an hour? Where does this... Um, so we used to do a podcast that shall not be named, and that was close to an hour. And an hour-long episode is about a good amount of time that people who want to listen to a decent story, an hour is a good amount of time to get into it. Half an hour, a little bit too short, especially if you're trying to do like really heavy scenes and convey information. An hour and a half just internally feels like a drag to me. I don't have the longest attention span in the world. I mean, I do and I don't, but listening to podcasts, the longer the episode, the worse it was for me to get into it. So we aimed to try and just be an hour. All right. That's, that's, that's fair. That's uh, genuinely fair. An hour and a half is a solid thing to turn on uh, between like work breaks. Like yes. you, you come out of a break and you're just like an hour and a half. I'll turn this on. And when it's off, I know it's close to <laughs> next break or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. So like we've we've definitely gone like now that I think we've established like that good routine of people getting into it. I'm not mm -hmm. so worried about having much longer episodes because people have gotten this far. <laughs> you're going to want to listen to stuff and that's fine. But I think like in Initially for us, an hour-ish was a good mm -hmm. draw. Um, so that's kind of what yeah. we did. I used to listen to a podcast that released like two to three hour episodes. Yeah. I've like, I, I got like um, probably like 
80 episodes in and then they changed the main cast. They were trying to tell like a side story. They still had the same players, but they changed the main cast. Mm -hmm. And I just wasn't paying attention enough to understand what was going on anymore. And I just, I I fell out. uh, Yeah, I I, I find it difficult to like, personally, it's a turn off listening, uh, having like, if I look at someone's backlog and their episodes are three four hours long I, I just can't um, although to be that I think I've said this before I find it really difficult to get into um, tabletop role playing podcasts I find it difficult to get into podcasts we'll stop right now my personal mission is at least one podcast finished per year and I'm, I'm kind of Ooh. on track right now um, right. <laughs> so I, I just find it difficult and I, I don't really have the time to listen to podcasts in the same way that I did before and for me like seeing something that's three or four hours long I, I just can't I just, I just can't do that yeah, I think I think hour an hour is a very fair yeah. amount of time. All right, so they, you have the characters looting around this town, and then they end up start moving east towards the the the, the muffled sounds of screams, and mm-hmm. you have a survivor there. Yeah. Now you said you had no nothing planned there. You didn't plan the survivor either. Nope. Ah, <laughs> I was just uh, gonna have corpses, and I'm like, nah, they find me good enough. Like they did good like investigation and good like uh, figuring out and the burning of the webs and shit. I'm like, cool, fuck it. They all find a survivor. Screw it. Do it. Um, oh, yeah, they, they have like a surprisingly long debate about <laughs> we burning do. webs. It's me. It's because I didn't know where the webs set on fire. I'm like, all right, I'm making a decision in this moment. These ones are flammable. And then I will research where the webs are actually flammable. I don't think I ever did. Um, I think I moved on what? with my life. So, Oh, my God. Th- then there's like a blatant lie in that episode. What? Why? Well, I, I, because she never went to research. No, I said I would think about it. No, I think I said I would go do it. I just didn't. Yeah. I, I was yeah. busy prepping right. stuff well, and living. I'll, I'll, I'll save up things. a couple of spiders in our garage. How about and no? And then y- about you no? can burn the spider no. web. No. Um, <laughs> I'll, I'll moving get you one of those... on. So there was a survivor there I hadn't planned and I it was fun. And then I, after that, I realized that, yeah, we can hand wave because they're all going to be doing very similar things if they find other survivors. And the further in they go, like the less likely they are to be alive. And that's where we ended up. So, uh, next thing that I have written down, and I want to mention this because I think this is kind of funny. Um, at the, I, I don't remember what happened. There was something in the last episode where Neil rolled shit. Yep. Then early this episode, when Neil's looking around the city, mm-hmm. he rolls a one. Mm-hmm. And then when they're moving eastwards towards the the white silky robes. He rolls another one, mm-hmm. and Arch is tickled pink. He's enjoying himself so much. Mm-hmm. He's laughing so hard at Neil's expense. And I have the note written down: Arch is laughing. Karma incoming. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, I also picked that up too. I'd forgotten how well most people had rolled at the beginning, and then we had like that. That's like session. Everyone was rolling like absolute trash fire. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was like, yep. We're on track for everyone rolling utter shit at the moment. But yeah, they were taking a lot of revelry in each other's uh, misfortunes. Um, as I said, we were definitely on one that bloody episode, like those recording sessions. Just, I don't know what the hell was wrong with us. Were you at all like <laughs> worried seeing these rolls? Like, oh no, I'm about to throw the fist first encounter at them. If they roll like this, I might kill them. No, no, no qualms in my brain at all. Like, mm-hmm. if they go down, they go down. I will have a way to bring them back. Like, I. I uh, I have I have like the kind of yeah breaking case of emergency plans for these mm-hmm. guys and I, I do for all of you now. Um like hey if one of you were gonna go down and die, how do I 
rescue this uh, if you want to be rescued, if you want to continue playing this character? How do I do that? And I have, I had vague ideas and plans. I can't tell you what they are now. I don't remember them because they have shifted and changed and evolved as the story yeah. has shifted, changed and evolved. Um, and they... Y'all now have the ability to do that. You have the ability to resurrect each other. You have Lafian and mm -hmm. you have Zoltana who have the gems and they have access to things that they need to revive the rest of you. So as so long as I don't kill both of them, we're yeah. okay and you can do this yourselves. However, if accidentally or because you are fighting the big bads and they both go down and we're left with one person standing, I can do that. I have plans if all of you go down. I have plans to make that work. Um, yeah. So I have a, I have a break in case of emergency. Only if the only if the players want to keep playing those characters, um, and I kind of want them to. We're so far down this story path now that bringing in a new character would be really difficult. But that doesn't mean there won't be severe consequences for this. Like the happy endings that we have, um, that that people have expressed that they want their characters to go through, good, bad, or ugly, or otherwise, will be vastly different. Like there will be no happy ending for. There will be no happy ending for Ral if he dies. Um, like the things he has planned, they won't happen. There'll be no happy ending for Squash if he dies. Like the things he has planned are not going to work out if he dies between here and there. Like there will still be severe consequences for that. I'm hoping it doesn't hit that point, but we shall see. I don't want to break those in case of emergency plans open, but if I have to, I will. I would yeah. rather that you resurrect each other <laughs> because then I don't have to break those plans and I don't have to make it like harsh and horrible. So please don't yeah. all of you die. Don't TPK. Just one of you be brave enough to run away. It's 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 not my intention. Uh, unfortunately, <laughs> the Kino squad is never going to run. Yeah, the Kino squad, I don't have breaking case of emergency plans and I never will because that is a very different campaign with a very different feel. <laughs> I say they're never going to run. They are the only party that has ever ran. <laughs> yes, they are the only party that's ever gone, let's go do this thing. It worked. Run! <laughs> they're the Book only it. smart group. <laughs> and I have uh, big quotations around that. So, um... <laughs> I played D and D. I played D and D fair bit in my free time. Uh, it's rounded down a lot since it mm -hmm. became a semi like kind of professional hobby for me. Uh, but I had a game I was playing with one of my friends, and the most upsetting thing happened to one of the characters. One player had this amazing fucking story where his character was a warlock to a good god, while he himself was internally the worst person you could ever imagine. <laughs> Like he he was a he was like a warlock to like a fairy or a fae or something like that, and they just wanted to spread joy and happiness. And he was an absolute shitlord. <laughs> and um, this player was gonna play with this character, and he had rules like every day I have to like give away one item. Every day I have to do one good thing, otherwise I start going down a list of like uh, penalties until I just get cut off from my uh, warlock patron. <laughs> and the player in the DM had spent days writing this shit out that character got dropped off a 300 foot tall pike on the <laughs> second session i remember and you you texted me that it was the funniest shit <laughs> it was the, like he was by far the most like created character my character was literally like i am old and i'm returning home like okay wh what's your character story I'm old and I'm returning home and I'm also a monk so I never owned anything so I've just been traveling my entire life just walking it was like okay but what's your character's story? I'm old and I want to go. <laughs> That's all I had. I remember, I remember you texting me like, oh my God, he just got thrown off of a tower and he failed every single chance to try and save himself. Um, yeah. Oh, I remember that. I remember you messaging me that. That was so bloody funny. 
Um, and uh, so the DM had decided, like, I'm going to be brutal this game. Uh, so I'm not going to give anybody, like, easy outs if things like this happen. And as it was a second session, nobody had Revivify or anything to save me. Mm. And I remember, like, when you were talking about this now, I'm in my head, I was like, I wish the DM had had a breaking case of emergency for this character. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a, probably a good advice to players and DMs out there that are playing casually. You have friends that are putting a lot of effort into their characters, players, let's say like that. And you have players that are putting no effort into their characters. Divine the difference between them and put a little bit of extra effort into saving somebody's important character. Yeah, like... Uh, uh, I mean, to be fair, loss is a big part of this game. And I, to be fair, I didn't lose a, a player character until, oh, I think just after we started TLD, um, Rethix killed my character. Um, <laughs> so I played, I played a lot. Of, I've played a lot of role playing games with Rethix, both he and I as players. Um, an amazing friend named Skag who has influenced some of my gaming style a lot, and like his storytelling is really good. Um, it's not a hundred percent me, but like it's good. I enjoy it. And Rethix decided to run his character into a fight. Uh, my character, being a good nervous type, wanted to help him. But my character had no armor and didn't really have much in the way of spells and he got his ass killed. And Rethix decided to, instead of dragging my unconscious body to a place where I could be healed, he just went in ham and got himself killed too. I'm like, for fuck's sake, Rethix. <laughs> um, that's the first character death I ever had. And that was like a, a big impact because I spent a lot of time on Lin and I, I enjoyed him a lot. But I, I think there still needs to have that relevant risk of death but I think your breaking case of emergency plan should be an absolute one-off. Like there still needs to be that risk. And I think mm. lower levels, it, it kind of really depends on your characters and your players as to whether you should have those set up or not. Um, because, for example, in TLD, the story is so wrapped around the players and the characters that I would find it difficult but not impossible to replace them. And I don't want to. Um, that's my honest answer. Like, yes, I will joke around and say that I'm trying to kill you. And I will be brutally honest when we're going up a fight against, for example, Daechin. I can't pull punches with Daechin. I yeah. have to go out and try and kill you. That's the whole point of him. Um but that doesn't mean I want to kill you and I will find ways to avoid that if I can. But sometimes you, you can't and you have to have that risk there. Otherwise, there's no... If you know you're going to leave, you can do way more foolhardy stuff and it wouldn't make yeah. no sense to survive from that. So, yeah, kind of balance it out. But that's that's the, the skill set of a GM, I guess. <laughs> yeah. No, yeah. Uh, I, I think you absolutely, like... I, I I think we're very much in agreement. Like you don't have to have a break in case of emergency for everybody, but I'm I'm I am recommending <laughs> dividing your players in, yes. considering dividing your players into doesn't care and cares mm-hmm. and and proceed from there. Yeah. Um now I, I have a really I have very strong emotions randomly and I get really attached to my characters and yeah. I I hate it. I hate how much it slips through. But if I feel like I'm being <laughs> fucked in D&D and my character's put into like a really uh-huh. bad position, it bleeds through so much how bitter I am. And I yep. hate it. I hate yep. listening back to myself, hearing how bitter I am. And it's like, <laughs> buddy, calm down. It's a game. You're all dices. Everybody's playing the same game. Calm down. It's just like, uh-huh. you, you, are, you are at least bitter at the table. I get upset after the game. <laughs> 
<laughs> you get like super like, and I can tell when you think that I'm being super mean and being a complete dick. Um, but I get upsetty after, and so I just get sad after the game. During the yeah. game, I'm like, I totally understand. Do what you need to do as a GM. This is our story, and if you want to be an asshole, great, go for it. Like my character will overcome this, or they won't. Either way. Um, but after the game, I'm always super sad and upset. <laughs> At least you're like bitter after the game. I always hate. I you hate how bitter. You sound bitter, and I can I, hear it. I sound bitter, and I'm so. <laughs> I'm afraid it's like a part of me is like. I think people around me are getting manipulated by it, and I don't like that. I I don't <laughs> like that I'm being so emotional at the table. People are going like, "Oh no, he's gonna start crying." <laughs> I don't like it. You get grumpy uh, and angry. I don't think I've yeah. ever gotten gotten you to the point where you're about to cry because I'm so no. mean to you. No. <laughs> I mean, uh, it I, is my intention to make you slip up again like I did in Dark Dice to make you swear at me in Icelandic or something or make you cry. One of the two. I want to get back to that point and I don't know how I did it the first time around. <laughs> that's why I'm so frustrated. <laughs> that's why you're bitter. Sorry, I'm bitter and annoyed. No. Um, yeah. Uh, anyway, let's move on. Yeah, uh, well, we're at the end. The characters go oh. down the eastern hallway. They light a f- uh, arrow on fire. They knock it back into down the hallway, and something starts skittering out across the ceiling. If I, be- if I remember correctly, you describe it as green. Yes, uh, I think uh, in my notes I have green and blue and red, and I don't remember if I bring them all out. Um, mm-hmm. But they are in my notes, and it is a really basic stat block. It is this is their strength, this is their plus to hit, this is their damage, and this mm-hmm. is their plus to any saves that come up. This is what I'm doing. And my stat block is super simple. My stat blocks back then were, and I freely admit, shite. And no one should ever follow those. Um, That's why I'll never release them as notes as written because they are bad. It was literally, this is the damage they do plus like damage. This is the plus to hit. This is their plus to saves. And there was nothing more complicated than that other than their hit points um, and their AC. Like you have to hit this number to hit them. I couldn't remember which way round the AC works. So I just wrote, if they have an 18, it hurts them. Yeah, like, yeah. I have that shit now because I personally just don't remember what the fuck the difference, at least especially then I didn't remember what it was. So I just wrote down the numbers. Um, yeah. So I have them as different colors because I wanted there to be like an ancient threat and an ancient danger that came out from the this corridor where um, Faust Faseum was. So I just wanted them to be different. I didn't want them to just be a typical black or brown or slightly reddish looking spider. I'm like, nah, fuck it. We'll make them cool and we'll give them armor. Yeah. I hate myself. Well, um. well stop talking about the spiders because the next episode <laughs> is a fight episode and I don't know how much we have to say about it. So yeah, let's keep it in there. Yeah. Yeah. We might do two episodes. <laughs> we'll see how much we have to say. We'll see how it goes. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, I think that's about wraps it up. That was episode seven. Uh, nope, sorry. That was episode six of TLT uh, yep. After the Earth Dark. Yes. I want to thank everybody for listening to this episode of Beyond I, I the Eclipse. We have to do oh. one more thing. It's oh. the blooper. Oh, oh, oh my. Yes. The blo- yes I forgot do. how many bloopers we had to start with. And Casey's blooper... Uh, that whole blooper, I don't know how that came about, but I remember that Casey was like, oh, I hurt myself. And it's like, why? What was it? Casey tried to flip us off. Uh, we did something and I don't remember what it was, but that I, whole bit, uh, beautiful. I love it. I, I think it, was, it was, Casey was flipping off um, 
Demi for not Probably, being interested. Probably, yeah. I think so. And I, I, I genuinely was cackling over here listening to like, it was. Oh, <laughs> I, I was flipping off so hard I hurt my hand and I'm just thinking this old <laughs> meme like, oh, I hope they can see this because I'm doing it as hard as I can. <laughs> yep. I, I loved Neil's like, we don't like each other. Neil's, um, oh yeah, if, we, if all our bloopers are scripted, <laughs> like, uh, you would never scripted. in anybody situation in an audio podcast write a visual gag as a blooper (laughs) ah it was absolutely fantastic ah yeah i'd forgotten Uh. that i i like listening listening back to like this run through and especially listening to the bloopers i'd forgotten how much funny shit there was around recording and in it's like we don't really cut a lot and some of those funny moments almost all of them make it to bloopers um not a lot ends up on the cutting room floor other than a lot of dead space and meta but yeah just remembering some of these bloody things and the stories around like how and why this is a thing um I think at the end of, speaking of bloopers, I think it's at the end of episode five. Um, I think um, Arch says something along the lines of like, just say it wasn't you. Uh, that was a running gag the four of us had, which was we were just listening to that Shaggy song at one point and it just became a running thing between us. It's like, just say it wasn't you. It wasn't me. Like, <laughs> I'd forgotten that and that's now stuck in my head and some of the random stories associated with that song and us four is just, yeah, gold. I love those guys. What, was that wasn't me like related to any specific incident, or was it just a running inside joke? It was just a running inside joke, along with uh, especially at the time it was like on a scale of one to ten, what color is the sky? Like that was uh... a. <laughs> Okay. And I, that I, I blame Neil. I 100% blame Neil. Uh, I think that's his fault. So it sounds like a Neil-like thing. You can say it wasn't him, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> ah, hey! all right, all, all right, right. you brought it back. All right, thank you everybody for listening to this episode of Beyond the Eclipse. Um, if you enjoy the Beyond the Eclipse episodes, they are uh, sponsored by the Patreon. Yay! Uh, consider checking that out. Thank you everybody who has joined us already. Uh, if you're interested in more TLD stuff, Jeff, definitely check out the website. It has a bunch of cool shit, a bunch of cool bonuses, a bunch of hidden stuff. I, yeah. I'm not joking. Click around. You might Wait, find stuff. Wait, I've hidden never... stuff? I don't remember it's hiding not stuff. Exact... It's, not... it's hidden in plain sight. You have to click a couple of things and then you're all of a sudden like, Wait, what is this? I haven't heard about this. You have audio recordings that have right. never been released to the foggy show. Yes. Yeah. There are some recordings that have never been released to the show because uh, I don't want to put them on the feed. <laughs> uh, talking of hidden things. So uh, if you're caught up, you must know about the three books that Ivorus has been reading, yeah, including Threads. Books. I wrote pages for them and I recorded them. So, yeah. And drew art for them. And I drew art for them. I wrote, I did, I, I drew them. I wrote them back covers and I did one page and I, I drew the covers for them and I recorded them and they're on the website. Along with the story I wrote for Squash. Um, oh, Prince yeah. Killian and the Evil Sorcerer, I think. Which yeah. actually contained some information, like world-building information that was relevant when you guys went to um, the City of Sabbath. Yeah. I, I remember you talking about that. Yep. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So definitely check out the website. Um, if you just want to follow our antics, join us on Twitter, on Facebook, <laughs> wherever. All that good stuff. You yeah. guys know what I'm saying. You know what I'm about to say. Um, hope you enjoyed and have a great week. Bye. Bye. Hello, everybody. Just a quick jump in here before we end the episode. Uh, I just wanted to thank uh, our sponsors, the Patreons. Um, We do the extra Beyond the Eclipse episodes thanks to the Patreon calls. So if you are enjoying these and you want to see more, go check out the Patreon. Maybe there is a tier that you enjoy. We have been doing really cool things on there recently. And uh, yeah, Uh, check that out. 
other than that, I hope you guys have a wonderful week and yeah, bye. Hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am extremely excited to invite you to Rachel Uncensored. It's my podcast where I sit down and get real with my friends and celebrity guests where we talk about all sorts of topics. And sometimes we might be under the influence when we do so. We cover things from personal stories to hot button issues. And it's the only place on the internet you can find an uncensored version of me. It's a side of me that you might not have seen before because it's not the most family or brand friendly. But don't worry, I'm still sort of slightly a decent human being. If you're intrigued, then make sure you check it out. New episodes drop every Wednesday. You can find it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored.